the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Friend, there is a need for trees of righteousness in the church who will stand tall, who will endure the winds of difficulty as they point the little saplings that are sprouting up to the sky where the water of God comes to refresh the soul on the good earth that's ready to receive it. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Today's message with Pastor Mike is entitled The Watered Life. That's The Watered Life. And don't forget, you can always find it online if you miss any portion of today's message at reachingyourheart.com. Before we get started, we want you to know that we believe here at Reaching Your Heart that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us at any time, day or night. That telephone number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now is our pastor-teacher, Michael Oxenteco. The watered life is a prayerful life. Isaiah 45, verse 8, Shower, O heavens, from above, and let the skies rain down righteousness. Let the earth open that salvation may sprout forth, and let it cause righteousness to spring up also. I, the Lord, have created it. God has a future that is alive for us in Jesus. There are many people today who believe that they can make themselves become righteous. They think that they can earn it or produce it by discipline and effort instead of it being a devotional outcome in their life. And so they work it hard at righteousness. They bear down to become perfect. And they strive to produce something that looks like righteousness, but it's not the real thing because the real thing eludes them when they do this because it never comes this way. Why? Because God's righteousness for the water life is not something you achieve God's righteousness is someone you receive. And that someone is Jesus Christ, a living Lord who comes to us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. God's righteousness, friend, cannot be attained by moral education or a philosophy of life or a pattern of behavior and conduct. God's righteousness is received when you spend time. Now here's the profound thought of the day. When you spend time with Christ in prayer, the righteousness of Christ is yours by association. When you study your Bible and you seek Christian fellowship, you lose yourself as God finds you. And thus the righteousness of God is given to you by faith. These are the places where the life is watered with the Holy Spirit. And the watered life is the life that God leads in His righteous ways. Isaiah 58, verse 11. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire with what? Good things. And make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters fail not. Now what kind of waters fail not? Let's just use common sense here. It is faithful waters that fail not. So if your waters do not fail, it means they are faithful waters. Verse 12. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. 
And you shall be called the repair of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Friend, there's a great need in our church to repair the walls that have come because certain generations have broken down the faith of the past that would have given us a better faith in the present. There is a need for a generation to come back to the Bible, to surrender their will to the will of God, to be passionately committed for the lost in this world and in our community, to embrace who Jesus is, to embrace the Scriptures as the Word of God, and to love the world rather than loving self. There must be repairs of the breach in our time or this movement that we know is seriously at risk. God, friend, can't rebuild your life. He can't rebuild the church if you do not take time and opportunity to find the right kind of ground to be watered by God. And that ground is where God is above and you are beneath and the rain falls on you. In the next two verses, Isaiah indicates that the Sabbath is a time to be watered. He says, if you turn your foot away from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and the Hebrew word is oneg, your pleasure, and call the Sabbath a delight. He uses the word oneg, a royal delight. Then things will change in your life. In other words, there's a time to be watered. There are other times to be watered too. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, you know, you need to go into the secret place with God. And right there in that secret chamber where God in secret in heaven hears you and you're alone with Him, God can affect your life. When Christ met the woman at the well, He spoke of living water that gives eternal life. She said, Sir, show me this water that I will not have to come here to Jacob's well and draw again. Now that well was near a graveyard. It was near a place where people had died and symbolically it was kind of stagnant. She needed new, fresh, living water and Christ says, I am the source of that. And so Jesus came as God's righteousness to water her life and let her taste the living water that falls from heaven and brings life. Christ told her plainly that he is the source of this. Look at John 4, 13. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, meaning Jacob's well. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst the water that I shall give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Life in the Gospel of John is life that is rooted in a relationship with Jesus. If you want satisfaction, if you want contentment in your life, you cannot attain this by just working hard for God. You can't attain it by somehow mapping out a course where you become better in the future. Friend, the watered life is the life that takes its place beside the streams where the Spirit of God flows and Christ can be found in a personal devotional life. Jesus said in John 7, 38, He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart, literally out of his cholea, his belly, his stomach, shall flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, which those who believed in him would receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. I mean, we can't get the Spirit unless Christ is lifted up and glorified. When Christ was put on that cross, and Christ hung between heaven and earth, and the Roman spear pierced his side, he was glorified. The truth of who God is of God's love, of God's law, it met in a single picture. The God of the universe, the lawgiver, hanging on a cross, dying for His creatures. 
And there the Spirit of God, when that Roman spear pierced his side, the water came out with blood representing the sacred streams. The stream that covers our sins. The blood and the stream that washes them away. The stream of the Holy Spirit. And so unless Christ is glorified in our life, we cannot receive the Holy Spirit. The cross is central. Because the life is in the Son. And the life that draws life from Jesus and His death and resurrection is the righteous life. Christ said, without me you can do nothing. With Him all things are possible. You know, the church today suffers because we have a generation of unbelief in our midst. The church today suffers because there's a drought for faithfulness in the church. Because Christ is neglected in the devotional life. Christ is neglected in the church. Thus the mission of the church suffers because the basis of it, the watered life, is not present as it should be. Friend, there is a need for trees of righteousness in the church who will stand tall, who will endure the winds of difficulty as they point the little saplings that are sprouting up to the sky where the water of God comes to refresh the soul on the good earth that's ready to receive it. We are living in a time when believers have no problem muddying the waters by mixing the things of God with the things of men in the church. I mean, I hear it sometimes. It makes me sick, actually. Can I confess to you something? Okay. When I hear people going around, standing as if they're a great theological mind in our midst, and I see them seldom open their Bible to instruct the people with the Word of God, I realize that we're in trouble when that occurs. We don't need that in the remnant church on the eve of the Advent. We need people who will open the Scriptures and point the life to Christ. And forget this complicated theory stuff that comes from human heads that means nothing for the judgment day. What matters is the life of God and the Word of God found through prayer and study and shared by faith to make a difference in the lives of others. And so when I see this trend to intellectualize our faith away rather than to personalize it and to come to grips with Christ, I realize that those points in time were in trouble. And God forbid that we should do it here. Our future is not about being some forum culture that discusses this idea and that back and forth and fails to find the water of life that waters the streams of life. Friend, I need Jesus in my life. I don't know about you. I need Jesus, unabashedly the Savior of the world. And the Holy Spirit has been sent to us to bring us Christ. The church today suffers because there's a drought of faithfulness in the church. There is a need for trees of righteousness to spring up. We are living in a time when believers have no problem muddying the waters of the church by mixing the things of men and God. We live in an evil world, but you know what? God has called us out of this world to live for Jesus unabashedly. See, in your life, the watered life is not afraid to spread the water around. When, when God comes to us, we're not supposed to hold that in. Now, there have been times I've not felt very good walking into a place like this. I said, pastor Mike, you okay? They know I'm a pastor. I said, well, maybe not as much as I'd like to be today. And we'll bow our heads and pray. I mean, I have a congregation you're not aware of, of many people that I meet and pray at their workplace. Now, think of your workplace. Think of your associations. Are you watering the ground? Is the Holy Spirit through your devotional life spreading out? To others. Now, it's not enough. I don't feel like I've arrived. I feel like I have a gap in my life. I need more of this. I've watched my wife pray for her work associations, bleeding Christ into her work environment. 
We are, as the church, take the life of God by faith outside of the church to make a difference. We are accepted on the way. Now, some people think, well, when do we get accepted by God? You know, friend, if you're trying to work for God to prove something to God, then you got it wrong. By faith in Christ, we are accepted at the beginning of the journey on the way with a right now kind of righteousness that is good enough for every day of your life and good enough for the judgment day too. The gift of God's righteousness. You know, some people think it's earned. The gift of God's righteousness is not some cold legal transaction. Now, it has legal dimensions. I'm not denying that. It is forensic. It takes care of your guilt legally. That's true. But it's not a cold legal transaction. It's a living legal transaction that's relational too and primarily so. It has a bearing on the life of the will. The righteousness of Christ overtakes the entire person to create the watered life. The gift of God's righteousness, friend, is the gift of Jesus in the life that before was empty and dry because His personal presence through faith and prayer mediated, coming through the Holy Spirit, produces a life changed and transformed, the watered life. You know, when my boys were barely teenagers, I remember a very hard day in my life. I want to share it with you. When I gave in to the idea of hiking 10 miles on a ridgeline and letting them lead the way and do all the preparation. Now, I had an injury in my leg that made it very hard for me to balance and wobble around. They said, no problem, Dad. You can make it. We'll be easy on you. Well, they weren't. They didn't slow down for me. They said, Dad, come on. Get up. Move. I felt like a pack horse being whipped all the way along the ridgeline. It was a hot summer day, and about five miles into the trail, I mean, it was real hot, I discovered they had packed no water at the bottom of our heavy backpacks. Uh, you could fry eggs on those rocks that we were walking around. And I was sweating bullets because of it, and I wasn't a young whippersnapper like them. And there was no water anywhere in sight, no streams up there at the top, no springs that you could find along the ridge line. I felt like the children of Israel, as I said to my sons in frustration, you have brought me into the wilderness to die. <laughs> they did not do that, they affirmed. They said, no problem, Dad, man up. There's plenty of water up here, man up. <laughs> a dad hates hearing a son tell them that, you know. Dad, you just don't see what we see. They said, you see that sky above you? It rains water all the time. It comes right here on the ridge line. It falls on the earth. And that moss next to that tree soaks it up like a sponge. So, Dad, there's plenty of water up here. You're just blind to the water. This is good ground for drinking. You just have to kneel down and go to where the water's at, the moss. So we knelt down at the top of the ridge line and we dug the moss up around a tree. And then my son took his t-shirt off. He liked doing that. You know, these growing young teenagers like to show their muscles developing. He took it off and kind of flexed a little bit, you know. Well, that's what they do. These are boys, you know. And then he put it over the cup to be a kind of a filter. So he took a handful of the moss and he squeezed it and water came out of it. Dropped through the shirt with some moss particles slipping underneath into the cup. When the cup was full, he said, try some, Dad. Of course, Dad had to be the first to try, kind of like poison testing. It was water from the sky, but who knows what else slipped underneath there. I did, and I nearly choked on the dirt and the moss particles that they got in the cup because they weren't careful. But I was thirsty, and the water proved good after all. In fact, when we got all the moss and junk out of it, it was sweet and refreshing water, straight from the sky. It was water from heaven that we dug up from the ground. How? 
on our knees. Are you with me? More with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. Studying the Bible is vital to our lives, and we would like to help you in that process by providing you free Bible study guides. These full-color Bible study guides are available for you right now if you dial this telephone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. We would love for you to call and get your copy of these free Bible study guides at any time. That's 888-244-4673. Now more with Pastor Michael Oxentenko. You don't get water from the sky by running hard and trying to finish the race of life. You don't get water from the sky because you're a good person, because you know how to get water. You get water from the sky when you fall on your knees and you pray to the God who sends the rain. Dear heart, if you think you can get the heavenly water any other way, you are wrong. But if you turn to Jesus, you're right on your knees. The righteous life finds the water of life on bended knee in prayer, personal devotions. That's time with you and God and no one else. Family prayer, study and fellowship with God. I have found from my experience that the water life finds its refreshment in a personal devotional time with Jesus Christ. You know, when I get kind of ragged and raw at the edges, it's because somehow I didn't spend the quality time I needed. We must persevere so that we spend our time with God beside the streams. I have also found that prayer meeting in the middle of the week is a time for the watered life in a more social kind of way. We suffer in the church because people do not realize the importance of prayer meeting. We have been told under inspiration that the prayer meeting should receive the most attention and the most special focus of all the worship activities of the week, including the Sabbath day. Did you hear me? There's something about that prayer meeting set apart in the middle of the week where we must put our focus right to receive the Sabbath blessing and to journey through that time in between. The prayer part of prayer meeting is more important than the study part of prayer meeting. Why? Because the prayer part is time on our knees where water can be found. I could go through the list of people who were healed because people prayed at prayer meeting. I could go through lives that were saved and transformed because of the prayers prayed at prayer meeting. But you know if you found your way into a midweek fellowship group where prayer is found or not. If you have that time and you go for the television set instead of coming to church, then you can pretty much put yourself there. You're not really seeking communion with God. You know, there are times I come home and I have a long day, especially with this building project. I used to bed sometimes two or three in the morning when every duty has been done, every email has been checked. And I will see my wife kneeling at her bedside, praying for me and praying for many of you. And I want you to know that that is the most tender picture I have in my marriage relationship with my wife is to see her praying. Because I know if she loves God, her love is there for me and for us here in this church. You know, many people who fall into discouragement, who fall into a pattern of criticism in the church, who fall away, it's because they're not praying. Let's just put it basic. It's not because there's something wrong with somebody here or there. They have not persevered in the devotional life. 
Satan cannot overcome the life that is watered through prayer. Sabbath school is also, just before church service, is a prime time to water the life and to drink in the things of God that come from a daily study of Bible and prayer. You take your devotional life, you gather here, you share, you grow. Sabbath school is where the Holy Spirit is best found, not the sermon hour. In the book of Hebrews, Paul warns the hurry Christian who thinks that they can tread on the things of God and be okay, that there are consequences to unbelief and disobedience. Warning. He makes a clear warning for the life that drifts into disobedience and then drifts away from faith and then faithfulness and finally from God Himself. And He calls upon that person in the book of Hebrews to embrace the remedy of a watered life. He couches His admonition in the context of a very clear warning against apostasy in the church. Well, was that necessary? Yes, it is. To fall away is altogether common. Here Paul passionately exhorts the casual kind of Christian to a faithful kind of walk with God that does not turn away when times are hard, when times are harsh, and the work is difficult. Look at Hebrews 6.4. For it is impossible to restore again to repentance those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and become partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come. Verse 6. If they then commit apostasy. Now, he's not talking about stumbling here. He's talking about a rejection of your experience at the deepest level when you have walked with God and you knew what it meant. There are people who backslide. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about that kind of apostasy. Refuting the message you once affirmed that gave life to your soul. It says, if they then commit apostasy, why? Since they crucify the Son of God on their own account and hold him up to contempt. Now that's not the kind of thing people talk about. But Paul warned us of this. Friend, if you have tasted of the truth of Jesus Christ in your life and you turn away from Him by turning away from the church, by attacking the church that has nurtured your faith, after having tasted of the living water, you can, in time, according to this counsel, come to a time when you will never come back to God. So that's why we don't want to be in the drifting program. Paul is saying drifting is a dangerous kind of force in your life. You can play around with your commitments in the church until you are lost to them and lost to God. You can drift until you drift away and you find yourself in the camp of unbelief, fighting against the cause of God, of a God you once professed as Lord, and He becomes your enemy, your adversary. This is the context of Paul's passionate appeal to receive the watered life in Hebrews 6, 7. He says, For the land which has drunk the rain that often falls upon it and brings forth vegetation, useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God. How many of you want a blessing from God today? You want it for the rest of your life? I'm in that group. The watered life, friend, is the fruitful life. It receives life from heaven to give life on earth. The key word in verse 6 is the word often. The rain often falls upon the good earth. I mean, God isn't trying to keep the Holy Spirit away from us. The Holy Spirit of God is not hard to find where the rain falls on the right kind of ground. The rain is a plentiful fact that if you are on the ground that is directly under the cloud where God's presence is at, the rain falls on that ground. You have to be on the right kind of ground to get the rain from God. Now, you won't get it at a rock concert. Will you? No. You won't get it at the local bar or taking the stuff of the local bar into your home. You won't get it there, will you? You know, social drinking, they have social drinking so they'll feel better. Let's just face it. 
And why are they doing that? Because they're not watered by the Holy Spirit. We don't need some complicated argument here to talk about whether it's right or wrong. It's wrong because it's an escape route that does not allow the religion that is pure and undefiled before God that brings the Holy Spirit in your life. It's looking for another out. And friend, God will not come for a drinking generation at the end of time. He's coming for a holy people who love Him, who don't do what Nadab and Abihu did, and they will go into the holy places of God after having dabbled with it in their home. I mean, I've been in homes where they've opened the refrigerator door and there is that alcoholic beverage in a Christian home. What business does that have in our homes? We need the water and the refreshing stuff of God. We'll pick up there next time when we have an opportunity to continue here on Reaching Your Heart with The Watered Life with Pastor Michael Tango. Don't forget, you can listen to this message again at reachingyourheart.com. We hear every day about disasters, troubles, problems, difficulties ahead. We've got a small 64-page volume entitled Soul Care that is just filled with practical information on how you can grow as a Christian, and even thrive in the tough times ahead. Again, the name of the book is Soul Care, and it's yours right now just for calling. 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can call that number right now or at any time to receive your free book entitled Soul Care. Call now. Once again, that telephone number is 888-244-4673, 888-244-HOPE. If you've been inspired by this message and want to partner with us to further spread these messages and keep us broadcasting on the air, then we welcome your partnership. And you can give a donation of any amount. We thank you for your support. If you're in the Washington, D.C. area or passing through, we'd love to welcome you to our church family. Stop by Reaching Hearts International and join us for a worship service every Saturday at 11 o'clock or Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. The address for the church is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. If you're wondering how to get a copy of today's broadcast, you can go to reachingyourheart.com and download a copy or listen right there in on-demand audio format. Again, the address for the website is reachingyourheart.com. Thanks for listening today. We hope you'll join us again next time for another Reaching Your Heart. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.